don't look back because the market is closed. Good Tuesday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harrods here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Well, going into the open this morning, it looked like it was going to be a fairly quiet morning. Most of our major indexes were flat, some lower, but then after the open, things began to heat up a little bit. This market showing some serious resolve today, uh, and one of our most watched groups here that we've wanted to see perform well led the way today, and that was the small caps. And then later in the day, we got rallies elsewhere as well to finish higher across the board here for our major indexes. So I'll get to that here in a second. And there was some big news out this morning though today as the SEC will now not only be going after the Binance CEO, but today announcing that they would be suing the crypto platform Coinbase as well. I'll cover that here at the end of the podcast today with our VRA Commodity Watch. Uh, but really outside of that, we're in kind of a nice period right now for the next five trading days or so. Uh, that is when the Fed blackout period will end next Wednesday when they wrap up the ne- the latest FOMC meeting, uh, which is great news for us. It means we don't have to hear from any of the Fed's list of speakers this week. Uh, really, we talk about this here often on the podcast. These people need to be taken away from the microphones more often. It would be a lot better if they were. Um, but outside of that, there really isn't a whole lot of economic data set to come out this week. Uh, next week, we'll get the latest reading on inflation from May. That comes out next Tuesday, one day before the FOMC meeting. And uh, like I said, other than that, fairly quiet on the economic front, at least, is all eyes now. We'll be on the Fed's next move. You know, our view, they should have paused some time back. Uh, our view continues to be that they'll pause at this meeting and we continue to look for rate cuts sooner rather than later. Uh, so stay tuned. We'll continue to report on it here and definitely we'll be back next week to cover the the latest FOMC meeting. But let's kick it off today with the market action. We've got a lot to dive into here. Uh, so let's kick it off. The small caps, as I mentioned earlier, leading the way up, up 2.69% for the Russell 2000 to 1,855. Next up here, good to see for our, our really the three major leading indexes, the Dow, NASDAQ, and S&P. Good to see tech leading the way. The NASDAQ up 0.36% to 13,276. That is just high or just below that 52-week high that we saw yesterday before the Nasdaq finished lower. Uh, Next up from there, the S&P 500 up about a quarter of 1% to 4,283. And finally, the Dow Jones spent a lot of time in the red today. They managed to finish higher into the close, up just barely 0.03% or 10 points on the day, but we'll take it to 33,000. 573. What was good to see from this group was transports leading. We've been waiting on this one for a while. The transports got back above their 200-day moving average last week. We want to see it hold above there for at least the next five to seven trading sessions, but today we'll take it with the transports up half a percent on the day-to-day. So overall for our markets, good day today, really good finish today, and 
what's so amazing about the, the market action, I mean, we've been talking about the, the bear market lows since they happened in October of last year. I've got it time stamped in our updates on our podcast. Uh, you can go back and check those out if you want to see some more. But just amazing to hear how many people still think that we're in a bear market here. And first of all, right off the top, if this was a bear market rally, it would be the longest bear market rally in the history of U.S. markets. So that there's one right there for you. But what most market watchers would tell you, what they go off of, and, and Kip and I talk about this often because these seem, and they are, arbitrary numbers, that 20% level, right? If, if stocks go down 20%, we're in a bear market. When they go back up 20%, then it's a new bull market. 10% is a correction. All of these different things. Now, they may be good rules of thumb, but they're completely arbitrary levels. Uh, so when you hear people talk about them as if they're facts, we're in a new bear market, down 20%, uh, or going up 20%, so we have to head higher or have to head lower. Um, you know, really, anytime you hear an investor say this has to do something, uh, it can get a little dicey in there. Um, but take a look at these stats. If you want to go off the 20% level, we've heard a lot from people that the S&P yesterday got up 20%. Well, we ran the numbers after the close. The S&P is up 22.6% from its October lows. We've got the NASDAQ up 31.6% from those lows. The NASDAQ 100, even better, up nearly 40% here. And the most amazing one, as we talk about here often, you want to see semis leading. Well, that is what we've gotten from the October lows. SMH is up 75% from the October lows. So really great numbers there. And again, tough to tell why so many people are still so convinced that this is a bear market rally. But on the good news side of things, you can see that that way of thinking is being phased out. Either they're not having those people on to interview as much anymore, or those people are changing their tune here. Uh, So we've talked about the stages of this market where we've had the rising tide lifts all boats that will be that is followed by and it continues to look like now the train is leaving the station mode that we're in that kind of stage of the bull market of this new bull market right now next up when things really get crazy is the FOMO mode fear of missing out that's when things really get fun and you want to be positioned ahead of that so that's what we see what we have on the horizon for this market and we're seeing a lot of confirming factors to that. A lot of them we talked on the podcast from earnings being better than most expected, economic data, especially disinflationary data coming back better than expected. Again, we'll get the latest read on inflation uh, next Tuesday. But what we saw today that really confirms this and was really good to see was the action in the internals. Even when the Dow was lower and the S&P was slightly lower to flat, our internals were still rock solid at that time. Higher across the board for the entire trifecta of the most important internal indicators that we watch here, including what has been our laggard of 52-week highs and lows. So let's jump into those. Today, advancing stocks, beating out declining stocks, big wins here over 3.5 to 1 positive for the NYSE. Almost 4 to 1 positive. Let me run that number again. Sometimes you get a, a refresh uh, after the close, so let's see. 
Let me run this one more time here. Yeah, that's about right. 3.7 to 1 uh, is what we finished with there. The NASDAQ, almost 2 to 1 positive advance decline, but still a solid beat there. And then again, uh, <clears throat> one area that we've wanted to see play some catch up for some time has been 52-week highs to lows. Today, positive across the board. I mean, huge 109 52-week highs to just 17 52-week lows for the NYSE. NASDAQ a little bit closer, but still a good beat here with 136 stocks hitting 52-week highs to 83 hitting 52-week lows. And then lastly, volume. NYSE up volume, 79% up volume. That's really close to the technical level. A lot of people like to see that 80% upside volume for back-to-back -back days. So we'd love to see a repeat of that tomorrow. And then on the NASDAQ, uh, still really good, over 2 to 1 positive, roughly 72% upside volume on the day-to-day. -day. Excuse me, that's well over 2 to 1 positive, my bad. 72% uh, was the number, though, for upside volume there. So overall, really good to see the trifecta of internals indicators coming in positive here today. Looking at our sectors on the day, we finished with 7 out of our 11 S&P 500 sectors higher on the day. And what was really good to see here was a bit of a rotation from what we've seen lately. So much lately has been tech leading the way, communication services leading the way, which is mostly tech names, uh, which is good. That's what we want to see, tech leading the way. Um, but we also like to see the rotation into other sectors as well. It's a part of a healthy market, and it takes some of the air out of the sales for these talking heads out there that continue to say it's only five stocks holding up this market. As you've heard Kip and I talk a lot about, that also doesn't bother us, but we do wanna see the rest of the market begin to participate. And I think that's what we're seeing a bit of now that we've seen small caps lead. Seeing some bottom fishing today, the financials were our leading uh, sector on the day today. And last I saw here, Let's get a refresh on that. Regional banks hitting you know their highest level since the beginning of May, really the end of April, uh, and a huge, almost 5% on the day. These are the most unloved groups now participating here. We do want to see that continue. You know, one day's action isn't everything here, but good to see on the day. So our leaders, financials led the way, followed by consumer discretionary, energy, and real estate. Real estate was up nicely on the day, but the real story here continues to be the housing market as we had the home builders today hitting another round of 52-week highs. Both both um, home builder ETFs, XHB and ITB, hitting 52-week highs. And if you look at the holdings in those groups, the largest holdings also hitting 52-week highs, the largest holdings for this group. So we've got DR Horton, 52-week high, up nearly 3.5% on the day. Lennar, one of the largest home builders in the United States, up 3.6% on the day today. Uh, we follow there. Pulte Group, another 52-week high, up almost 4%. And Toll Brothers, another 52-week high, up 4.5%. That's the kind of strength that we want to see here. For the VRA investing system, there is nothing more important to uh, more important than housing for the U.S. economy. Uh, so when housing, semis, and tech are leading, you don't want to be fighting 
the tape here. That that has been certain. Uh, it's certainly been true going back to October of last year. Uh, so we want to see this continue in housing, and we think it will. We've had so many people. Uh, you know, how can you be bullish on housing right now um, after this huge move that we had really since coronavirus insanity began? And I think a little bit of that is recency bias. You know, the last major recession here in the United States was a housing recession, but no two recessions, no two bear markets are the same. Uh, so we don't think that if we are headed for a recession, that housing will have anything to do with it. And if anything, it will help hold up the economy that we're seeing. Um, mortgage delinquencies at you know decade plus lows, even commercial real estate delinquencies are low as well. On the consumer side, credit scores remain near all-time highs. There's just so many reasons to be bullish on housing right now. Uh, as surprising as that may sound, even with rates as high as they are. Uh, then for the rest of our sectors here, our laggards on the day were healthcare, consumer staples, and tech. But tech was pretty much just flat on the day. One thing I did want to point out earlier that I forgot to with uh, our market watch here is the VIX right now. The VIX today hit a 52-week low, breaking below a 14 on the VIX. Let's see the last time that that level was seen. It has, since we broke below 14, wow, it's been a little while. The last time we were below 14 was in January of 2020. Wow. So we got a, a three-year low now on the VIX here. Uh, just really interesting to see. We'll keep reporting on that here as well. Finally, here for today, let's go jump into our VRA Commodity Watch. We've got a lot to cover here as well. Gold now up about three-tenths of 1% to $1,979 an ounce. Silver up about two-tenths of 1% to $23.67 an ounce. Copper flat on the day down 0.04% to $3.76 an ounce. And finally, oil down about 1% now to $71.45 a barrel. Finally here, this is where I really wanted to jump into the, the crypto story here. It's been a really interesting last couple of days. Yesterday, the SEC went after Binance and their CEO with the accusation of mishandling customer funds misleading investors and regulators and breaking securities rules. You know, on the mishandling of customer funds side, sounds a lot like FTX and Binance was certainly tied up there in the whole FTX saga as well. Uh, so too soon to say what's going to happen there. But what this morning's announcement was really interesting, that the SEC would be suing Coinbase as well. Here, the SEC is alleging that Coinbase has acted as an illegal, unregistered securities exchange since 2019. Okay, well, Coinbase just went public in 2021. Did the SEC just approve it blindly? Did they willfully ignore those red flags? How did they let this happen if they're saying they've acted as an illegal, unregistered security exchange since 2019? A lot of red flags here. Coinbase was down over 12% on the news today. But this is where it really gets interesting. Gary Gensler was on CNBC this morning, and the most interesting point that he made made it seem like this isn't about Binance, this isn't about Coinbase, this is about the power of the SEC. This is 
that they can hamstring anybody that they want, uh, which is an amazing abuse of power, especially when you look into some of the things that have happened with the SEC when they went to Sue Ripple uh, with people on their board who were holding things like Bitcoin, things like Ethereum, and openly going against other cryptos like Ripple. Uh, but here's what he said that I found so interesting. And I quote, he said, we don't need more digital currency. We already have digital currency. It's called the US dollar. It's called the euro. It's called the yen. They're all digital now. He went on to say a few more things about it, but that right there tells you what this is all about. It's not protecting retail investors. That has very little if nothing to do with what this is about. This is about protecting fiat currencies, protecting their own job, and, and really dollar dominance, right? They're basically, as Kip, Kip covered this yesterday, and we've covered it a few times as well, see a lot of evidence here that cryptos may have, in fact, been created by intelligence agencies. Uh, you know, the, the whole story of one guy in a basement doesn't really add up when you think about how complex this whole infrastructure is and how quickly it was adopted by countries. Um, <clears throat> really, more likely is that it was developed by these intelligence agencies or a combination of multiple countries' intelligence agencies. And the reason for that would be make digital currency popular so that when we're ready to implement this, people will be willing to adopt it. If they had never, if we'd never heard of a digital currency before, we'd be a lot less likely to accept any form of a CBDC. So we kind of see this as laying the groundwork to introduce that because there's a few reasons why they want it. Number one, fully traceable. If they don't like what you're buying, they can shut down your transactions. There's a whole nother level of control here, talking about essentially a social credit score through money. Um, but we've gotten a lot of a lot of pushback on that. That you know, um, you know, if, for a CBDC, no one's going to adopt it, or saying that Bitcoin is decentralized, so they'll use that instead. Well, here's how they would force the adoption really quickly. And I don't mean to give them a playbook, but this is exactly how it could happen very quickly. They introduced the CBDC, talk about the Fed now kind of program that they've already implemented that you can uh, sign up for in certain case scenarios. I believe are doesn't open and opens here pretty soon, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So once they roll it out, they could say, "Oh, we're in a recession. We need to do another round of stimulus checks." But in order to receive your payment you must set up your FedNow account and we'll give it to you in CBDCs. So people, the American population, which according to polls, 57% of Americans can't afford a $1,000 emergency right now. The majority of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck and the only way they can get this stimulus fund is to open this kind of an account. Well, they're, they're gonna do it. <laughs> if it comes between feeding your family or uh, disrupting the Federal Reserve System, what do you think people are going to choose? They're going to choose feeding their families. Uh, with that comes businesses must set up systems to accept these payments as well. So all of this is being recorded. Uh, and again, with those kind of numbers of Americans not being able to afford a $1,000 emergency, living paycheck to paycheck, you could see how quickly people would buy in to a system like this. Again, if it means feeding their family. 
Secondly here, Bitcoin may be decentralized, but that doesn't mean that it's anonymous. That's what a lot of people have talked about. You know, you, oh, you can do it in cold storage or this or that. All these, you know, complicated ways of getting around and making it anonymous. Well, there's a reason why people have paid ransoms in Bitcoin and they have found those people. <laughs> so it's not anonymous really by any means. If they want to find you, you're leaving a paper trail back to yourself, a digital paper trail right to you. And remember, Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining were already banned in countries like China. What's what's to stop the US government from doing the same thing? And in reality, they could probably do it with the stroke of a pen. It probably isn't more complicated than that. So you can see this is a major issue that we're watching play out now in real time. And as I see it, this animosity from the SEC towards crypto is all about paving a path for a CBDC. You know, whether it's the FTX debacle, now the Binance debacle, uh, you know, you got people like Jim Cramer saying today, get your money out now. You know, you can see them coming up and saying, well, we couldn't trust any of these private people, so we're going to do it as a government. You can see how quickly that they can make that shift. But <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. We'll continue to report on it here. Ultimately, in our view, the SEC needs to probably go the way of the Federal Reserve and just get rid of it. The SEC does is very handy in a lot of ways. Uh, so I don't know if it needs to be completely shut down like the Federal Reserve, at the very least reorganized and not this abuse of power kind of system we have right now. But Bitcoin rallied on the news. So maybe it's a bit of a buy the rumor, sell the news type of, type of event here. Um, or buy the news, sell the rumor if you want to look at it that way. But Bitcoin up 5.2% now to $27,010 of Bitcoin. Folks, that's all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.